The Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning, my dear friends. If there is anything better than starting my Monday with you, I have not found it yet. And you know, there are about 100 channels on your FM radio dial, so I cannot thank you enough for keeping your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa, the best little radio station in the nation. As if you didn't know, welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with your favorite functional medicine man, Dr. Fred Harvey. And talking about having some of the good stuff, in my dilly bag, I always keep an extra AMA, Ask Me Anything show. So, to remove all doubt and to lay some heavyweight, this show depends on you. Is there something bothering you in your mind or body that you want to better understand? Is there something that you read on Dr. Google that puzzles you and now you want to ask a real doctor about it? Do you have any medical questions or concerns? And we all do. Then you are encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663. Or you can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, Dr. Harvey, I'm not going to continue rabbiting on because I know that our faithful cabal of listeners and coterie of callers are waiting just outside. So I'll let you start the show while I let them in and get them comfortable. Where are we going today, Doctor? Well, thank you, Bill. Happy Monday. Thank you. And welcome all you listeners um, and all you in the studio volunteering there and keeping this great radio station moving on. So today, you know, I've been um, watching the uh, uh, alternative medicine airwaves. Nearly every um, functional physician has commented on this substance and this study in the last couple of weeks since it was published in the journal Nature at the end of February. And what I'm talking about is a substance called erythrotol. It's labeled in the Nature Medicine Journal article, the artificial sweetener erythrotol and cardiovascular risk event. Well, it's interesting that we start off the title of the article was something that's untrue. It is true that erythritol is actually laboratory created when it's made industrially for uh, use as a sweetener. However, it is a natural occurring substance. And so what is what is erythritol, I think, is a really important question to answer. I don't know if any of you people have had this burning question in mind, but ever since I saw this show up and every doctor that I know in the field is talking about it, I figured I might as well address it. Erythritol, it's a type of carbohydrate. It's interesting in that it has no calories, though. It's a sugar alcohol, a polyol meaning that the sugar has had an OH group, a water-type group attached to the molecule, which turns it into an alcohol. It's a hydrated molecule, so to speak. And so erythritol is unique among the sugar alcohols because it really has the zero calories. Some of the other ones can be metabolized a bit, but um, erythritol actually does occur in some fruits and vegetables, <clears throat> it occurs in grapes and some fermented uh, uh, drinks and 
foods. But um, it uh, it doesn't really affect sugar when you ingest it. It's about um, 60 to 80% as sweet as sugar. And um, it's included in a lot of, uh, you know, low carbohydrate, sugar-free kind of foods. Um, so it is used to replace the added sugars in many products. Added sugars, we know, are actually contributing to our overall degenerative disease uh, uh, repertoire, essentially, that we in the industrial world uh, uh, develop because we have food luxury. Um, there may be a lot of um, um, wrong choices in food, but we have food luxury. We can choose what we want. We can eat what we want for the most part in this country. There are people who are living in food deserts and who are actually nutritionally deprived. A different story. Most Americans have access to large amounts of food, much more than we need. And so we also have the luxury of choosing our desserts, our sweeteners. And so many people actually are consuming a lot of erythritol. And that's why the study was done. Um, <clears throat> so some really in innovative researchers decided to look at what these sugar sweetener, these artificial sweeteners do. They've examined aspartame, and we know that aspartame is a poison. Nobody should be using aspartame because we know what it does to the body. So this is a replacement for aspartame, or is it? One thing we have to actually take into account is how much of this stuff do we use? How much do we need? Are the questions we might ask again, are, are we trained to want too much sweet? Are we actually having um, uh, addiction to sweetness because of other things? We can use sugar to trigger dopamine so that we are less unhappy with our current situation. It can help actually to even hide some pain. And many of my clients who get clean though, the sugar actually causes more pain. And the more you do of these um, other replacement sweeteners, even if they're actually natural like stevia and erythritol is natural and monk fruit, the question is how much do we really need? And so this study looked at people who were taking erythritol and they showed that healthy people got really good blood levels of erythritol after ingesting it. And it's sustained <clears throat> after taking it because it's not really a chemical that our body deals with on a regular basis. It actually sustains the blood levels for a couple of days after ingesting. The problem with ingesting erythritol and many of these other things, I don't have results on lots of the other chemicals, but this one in this study was shown specifically to cause an increased platelet reactivity, meaning that the, the, the little teeny cellular type objects in your blood, platelets, the ones that actually stop bleeding if you get a cut, those are more reactive. So you have an increased clotting potential after ingesting erythritol. And you also have, uh, so you have increased platelet reactivity, but they also showed that there is increased thrombosis potential in vitro and in vivo, meaning that they found that people get clots, you know, the actual subjects got clots and the, or, or got potential through different biomarkers that they would make clots. And um, in the laboratory, they also showed that their blood reacted in such a way that it was more clot producing. This is a problem because clots cause cardiovascular and 
cerebrovascular events. Clots are what cause a heart attack and a stroke. And so we are at risk for having problems like this um, because of ingesting a sweetener. Well, actually, sugar can increase vascular inflammation as well. And so it's kind of a, a mixed bag here. What, what is going to have the worst effect? And, and so the big question here is, if we're using a polyol sweetener like erythritol, <clears throat> um, and we have an increased risk for major cardiovascular event like death or a heart attack or a stroke, um, the, the risk ratio was uh, around double, 1.8 to 2.2 was the reference range with a confidence interval of 95%, meaning this is really um, likely that the people who have the most amount of erythritol are going to have the most amount of events. <clears throat> so the reason, and here, here's what many people don't think about when they read a study like this, the reason we have to be concerned about this is the people specifically, many of them considering using a sugar substitute are already at risk for what's called atherothrombotic disease, vascular clotting disease. And the reason they're at risk is because they already have vascular inflammation. It's the same people who are at risk for COVID. After getting a SARS-CoV-2 viral infection, they develop an autoimmune or autoaggressive disease called COVID, which isn't an infection. It's actually an immune vascular inflammation disease, just like what is induced with erythritol. So you're already having inflamed blood vessels. You're already having sticky platelets because of obesity, diabetes, and high blood sugar. Um, other inflammatory problems like other autoaggressive diseases like lupus, mold, toxic proteins, other infections like chronic Lyme or chronic Epstein-Barr virus, toxic metals, petrochemical toxins like glyphosate. All of these things are going to be resulting in an increased amount of irritation in the blood vessels and increased platelet stickiness. So when you add erythritol to it, then you're increasing your risk immensely. You at least double it from the first quartile, the lowest amount of erythritol in use to the highest amount, you double your risk. And so we need to pay attention to the people that are actually having the risk and using more of this to consider looking at more alternatives and consider drinking water instead of a sweetened soda, even if it is sweetened with something like erythritol. So I, we are, hi, Bill, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, can I jump on in here and tell folks Please. what we're doing and how to get into the show? Um, you're listening to the very great Ask Me Anything version of the Fred Harvey Show on Healthy Steps radio show at WMNF Tampa. We're asking you to participate in the Ask Me Anything show, and it's exactly like the name sounds. Just give us a call with whatever's on your mind medically. Medically, of course, let's emphasize that. And you are encouraged to participate and give Irene a call to channel her through to us. Give us a jingle at 813-239-9663. 
or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Back to you there, Doctor. So, you know, it's interesting that erythritol has been approved for use in more than 60 countries. Japan was the first one to approve it in 1990, and the World Health Organization um, decided that it was safe 1999, 2001, um, uh, the U.S. Uh, FDA decided to recognize it, and um, European uh, Commission, Food Safety Authority, they, they've also said. But the issue is, you know, these agencies are staffed by people from the pharmaceutical industry, from the big chemical industry, and they, you know, they accept more than what maybe they should, I think. And they approve things that we have a lot of questions about. And um, so, you know, there are questions about erythritol. There, there are issues with it, uh, even without the newest data about cardiovascular risk. Um, when you do a lot of it, it causes some bloat. It's actually a FODMAP food, uh, F-O-D-M-A-P. Those are the sugars that bother people with um, gas, bloat. In irritable bowel syndrome, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth kind of syndromes, and it can cause diarrhea. So as, as a result, this is like something that shouldn't be used with those people. <clears throat> Sorbitol and mannitol also cause the laxative effect. So all of these polyols, uh, any of the pseudo sugars that end in OL, those all have these same risks. What's interesting about them though is they do actually disrupt bacteria and your microbiome in a beneficial way. They actually inhibit the growth of the oral uh, bacteria Streptococcus mutans, the one that causes cavities. So it's a uh, uh, a, a cariogenic blocker, um, and and it actually reduces the amount of acid produced. That actually etches the holes in your teeth that cause the cavities, um, and you can actually disrupt the uh, bad gut microbiome with it too. That's why you end up getting the bloat, uh, but it also disrupts the good microbiome. So you have to be very careful using them as such. And, um, you know, you have to be, you have to really pay attention because um, there, there's so much use of this stuff that it's actually showing up in ground and tap water because it doesn't really break down, just like the drugs that are showing up. You know, you can find Prozac in your, in your glass of water unless you have it super filtered. But the, um, the so the nature of it is there, there's, we really have to pay attention to whatever we're putting in our body, even if it's supposedly safe. As we're waiting for some phone calls right now, I will actually take a look at some emails. Uh, Dawn asks, I have a friend who has osteoporosis. She has never taken calcium. They are both in their 60s. When or should women start taking calcium? Um, this, is from, uh, this is from Nina. So actually, um, calcium isn't the most important part of bone health. Uh, protein is. Protein is the matrix that the calcium gets attached to. So good protein intake is really critical. Um, my um, vegan patients have the hardest time getting strong bones because the protein sources are difficult to acquire enough. And so um, I think that getting at least a half a gram of protein per pound of body weight is really important. Getting weight-bearing exercise every day is very important. And then when you do take calcium, I prefer hydroxyapatite calcium. That's uh, bone calcium. It comes from usually organic calf bones. Um, 
and that one is like in your bones. So it's it's an absorbed calcium that gets gets incorporated better. And also take it with magnesium because the magnesium and calcium balance in your body is really important. So I usually recommend two times the calcium to one time magnesium. And really, I have no specific amount of calcium that I recommend for everyone because people take varying amounts of green vegetables. Eating leafy greens is a great way to get calcium and a great way to get magnesium. You know, if you have one cup of um boiled think about this boiled collards one cup of them has 30 or 29 percent of your daily calcium needs um a cup of cooked kale has about nine percent a cup of cooked spinach has about eight percent of your calcium needs so you don't need dairy to get your calcium i think we have collars on the line oh we've got morgan collars i've got the whole board lid on uh more in the florida state fair midway let's start with bill and work our way down to barbara and nick and see where we go from there good morning bill Hi, this is Bill Hampton from Bradenton. Hi, Bill. Hey, uh, I also wanted to mention, uh, you talked about uh, some of the soft drinks and some of the other stuff. Um, your gut bacteria is negatively impacted by uh, uh, drinking sodas and uh, sweet stuff as well. And, uh, you know, gut bacteria is a part of your immune system. So, yes. So uh, that, that is also a, a benefit. I have uh, high blood sugar, and I'm trying to. I'm pre-diabetic, and what I'm trying to do is kind of uh, we switch to a diet, uh, my wife and I, so we could avoid uh, future problems. And we actually dropped a lot of weight uh, just by uh, uh, eating low amounts, uh, lower amounts of carbs in the morning, and then uh, changing our diets. We have more fruits and vegetables. Uh, not too much fruits, but, uh, you know, as much as we could from, uh, you know, to stay healthy and uh, going from there. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, gut bacteria was also, uh, you know, mentioned. Absolutely, yeah. The um, artificial sweeteners devastate the gut bacteria, and there are actually at least two studies out there that show that consuming uh, artificial sweeteners doubles your risk of developing diabetes. Well, I have a, um, I am uh, kind of fighting it. I have it in my family, uh, father and uncles. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm, I was staring it down. To, I kept seeing my labs getting worse over time. So we kind of took a proactive step. And I guess uh, I'm in uh, mid-60s, and over the last 10 years, I've lost 52 pounds. Uh, a, a small Congratulations. Amount, yeah, a small amount each. You know, just, you know, you can take some drugs, and, you you know, I used to have acid reflux, but that went away. I uh, used to have, uh, uh, you know, higher blood sugar uh, readings, and now it's, uh, you know, it's pretty well moderated. Well, Bill, what you've done, you, you really, you've done the right thing. You've made a lifestyle change. You're not dieting. You've actually made a consistent shift to a new way of being. So you're getting ongoing, consistent, small changes in the way your body is manifesting. And you'll keep doing that. One of the best things you could do for um, a, a sugar-challenged body is to do intermittent fasting and eat between the hours of like 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. That would be another way of really helping in addition to the low-carbohydrate approach. I do that as well, but it's it's nine to six thirty. There you go. And only and only three meals a day, and it was amazing without a lot of effort. You know, I used to struggle with trying to you know I struggled to lose the uh, first twenty pounds when I was drinking yes. sodas and uh, 
uh, poor diet. But uh, when I started doing uh, intermittent fasting, and uh, which it's just not that hard, and we and my wife over COVID, uh, she really cranked up and learned how to cook. She won't let Beautiful. me in the kitchen. She won't let me in the kitchen to use her pots and mess <laughs> everything up. Anyway, but she uh, really made some uh, positive changes for both of our uh, health. And, uh, yeah, uh, if, it, if you lose the weight slowly, uh, it doesn't come back. If you lose, It tends to stay off. Yeah. Because yep. so when you do it slowly, when you do it slowly, you've made the commitment. When you do it quickly, you're trying to get a quick fix. You want to go back. Most people want to go back to the old way they, they were living after they've lost the weight. But that doesn't work. And you found that out. Congratulations. I went from a waist size of 42, and now I'm transitioning from 36 to 34. I'm like right Fantastic. Yeah. You, I, have, you know, have reduced cardiovascular risk immensely. Yeah, the only bad thing is that uh, I keep throwing away or giving to Goodwill some perfectly good jeans that I haven't <laughs> worn out because they don't fit anymore. So that's yes. Well, some, some nice people are benefiting from your changes. Thanks for your input, Bill. Have a great day. You too. Yeah, that's great news to hear people taking control of their own lives and getting the yes. healthy benefits of it. Let's go to Barbara in Tampa. Good morning, Barbara. Hi, good morning. I had a Hi. couple of uh, thoughts. Hi, Dr. Fred. First of all, um, you already mentioned as well as um, talking to the operator, but about mannitol. That's a sugar yes. alcohol too, isn't it? Correct. Is that have similar effects as the uh, product you were speaking about? Mannitol is actually a very good laxative. It, it's very little absorbed and um, it does provide a bit of sweetness, but it's not one that most people would uh, uh, want to um, do a lot of. Um, yeah, it's more of a, it, it really works as a laxative. Okay. All right. And then um, I was wondering about infrared <clears throat> light. Somebody said it, it heals your mit can heal your mitochondria and give you energy. Well, it doesn't quite work that way, but um, um, infrared light does actually stimulate the body. And depending on which frequency of infrared, um, they do different things. Like um, later today, I'm going to go and get a class four laser treatment. I think that's in the... Um, uh, 800 range, but I'm not certain. Don't quote me on it. But that one's very specific for activating your fibroblasts, the soft tissue cells to heal and activating your your um, um, blood vessels to grow more and provide better blood flow to the area. So um, they all have some different potentials, but most of them are working towards um, kind of activating your own native healing um, uh, but not, I don't, I have not seen any specific data that shows that it actually activates mitochondria. Okay. Um, what, what do you mean by 800? That's the, no, that's the frequency. That's the light wavelength that is, is so the infrareds have different proper, and so does ultraviolet. All, all these different frequencies have slightly different effects on the body. And so the infrared, uh, uh, effect of heating has a certain challenge that it provides to the body that results in a in a response that the cells do certain activities and and so 
it's it's actually the the wavelength of light signals to the body that something's happening and then the body responds to it and does some rebuilding regenerative healing activity and i mean it's funny because my neighbor just happened to bring it up you know in a conversation we're uh, talking about something else and it came up and then i googled it and it did say that it does regenerate your mitochondria too and that's what no oh, good said. and she I, I don't know if that's just something that you've never heard or maybe it's, it's just something that I haven't read specifically about the mitochondria, but I noticed a lots of other things. Like yesterday I spent 20 minutes in the sauna at my office because I wanted to do a little bit of detoxing. And so that sweating actually helps to mobilize the uh, uh, things that are stored in the fat underneath your skin. So you can sweat it out. Oh, so is that the same thing? Well, no, there's, like I said, there's many different uses for different frequencies of infrared light. So my sauna is a far infrared sauna. Um, the class four laser I'm going to work with this afternoon um, with my guest from last week um, is one that actually uh, has some deeper penetrating potential and signals to the body some different things. So the frequency is very specific. And and so the different infrareds do different things. And yes, I do believe you know, when you do the, the sauna, you actually get the effect of exercising. Um, there's some evidence that doing a sauna every day is like, like going for a brisk walk for 20 minutes every day. And so, that alone, because of the effects on the body the exercise has <clears throat> that's being um, uh, mimicked by the infrared sauna, would suggest that, yes, mitochondria are being positively affected. And I, I'm really glad you mentioned it because I'm going to do some more research about that one because I really think that our next step in medical healing really is going towards frequency-specific healing. And the reason I say that is that every medication we use is frequency-specific. Every medication, every supplement, everything we use is, is a molecule that's actually energy. And it's vibrating at a specific frequency and has a specific tone that it puts out. We can't hear it. But that tone is what actually activates the key and lock mechanism in the body. When estrogen hits the receptor, it's got to do with frequency-specific vibrational changes that occur between the estrogen molecule and the receptor that results in a frequency change in the nucleus of the cell, which results in creation of new proteins and responses to those signals. It's all frequency. Oh, because so your supplements and medication are all based on frequency? As Everything well. is. We are, we are frequency. We are energy. And so everything that we do that appears to be physical is actually something that's energetically based. And would you, so you wouldn't know which frequency would work with mitochondria since you don't, haven't really investigated it yet, I guess. Well, I think I just gave an example of why I think that mitochondria are affected by doing a far infrared sauna because you get the effect of doing exercise and exercise actually strokes the mitochondria and makes them happier. So if you're getting a similar physiologic response to a sauna, then it's probably the far infrared that's actually stimulating mitochondrial activity just as if you had exercised. So I need to look more into it. What's that? Okay. She was saying it was a, a, a light that she comes out of her shower and she goes in this bath in this red light and 
Yeah. Red light, red light therapy is something you can find a lot about online. Um, when you look at red light therapy, I don't have, I have no idea which specific infrared frequency is being used. But if you see a red light, then it's not infrared. It's actually visible red light. <clears throat> but underneath the visible red light, there's going to be frequencies of infrared light because you can't see infrared. <clears throat> and so, um, when you put this red light on you, you get frequency specific treatment. But I don't know what her red light is doing specifically. All I do know, though, is that when you use far infrared light, it has some benefit to the body. It actually helps the body make a positive change. And that's something you can go to a certain clinic to get, or you can buy an infrared machine, or you can get a sauna. Yes, you can do all those things. Okay, I guess I just have to see who's offering that. I think it would be a good idea to actually uh, talk to a functional medicine practitioner and talk about what you have going on so that they can help you choose the right far infrared therapy for what you want to do. Sounds great. Okay, Dr. Fred, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Okay. All righty there, doctor. Um, I'm going to throw out the phone number again, keep Irene busy, although our boards are pretty lit. You can send a call to 813-239-9663 or sending the emails to dj at wmnf.org. And let's go to Nick in Sarasota. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Thanks for having the show. You're welcome, hey, Nick. Doc, you, sound like, you sound like a student of Pythagoras. Everything old is new again with your vibratory comments <laughs> i'm a student of life well we know that pythagoras said that it was the vibratory nature that makes up was answering the question that the greeks were asking and he was exactly right just like you stated but my question is the body produces erythritol, right the body produces erythritol a tiny bit probably i know that it's more present in plants um naturally yeah, I understand that the body produces erythrol, however it's pronounced. So I don't understand how it could be toxic if the body's producing it. So that's a really great question. I really like it because I was going to address that. It's about amount. The amount of erythritol that shows up in a grape is, you know, nanograms. The amount of your body produces is probably picograms, um, maybe micrograms. But the amount you're ingesting, some people are ingesting 16 to... 45 grams of the stuff a day. Yes. And I so it's a... I'm using it instead of shooting other ones, but... Yes. I'm willing to have a better option if that's the case. Um, I actually, right now, prefer monk fruit to all of the other ones. Um, yeah. The problem is you can only find monk fruit clean in one source. It comes in a liquid drop that I found at one store. But if you go and look at the boxes that say erythritol in big, or no, that say monk fruit in big, bold letters across the top, the first ingredient on the back is erythritol. It's, I think, because one, monk fruit's expensive, and two, erythritol's cheap, and they're able to actually, um, you know, save a lot of cost on producing um, a big box of erythritol with some monk fruit flavoring. Um, I, have, I have no affiliation with the store Big Lots. However, they have monk fruit that looks like sugar both brown and uh, white i didn't look at the ingredients though sir look at the ingredients you're going to find erythritol almost assuredly because every powered powdered one that i've looked at is polluted with erythritol 
One more question. You said that it's a half a gram of protein per body weight per day. That would, that's what I would suggest for the basic minimum for somebody who, especially a woman who um, is uh, approaching menopause and wants to uh, preserve bone health. You got to get the protein. But everybody actually can do well with a half a gram of protein per pound of body weight daily. That's a good minimum to keep hair, skin, nails, and bones really healthy. So that'd be about 100 grams for the average 200-pound person per day. Um, yes, but you do want to actually consider your ideal body mass. So if 200 is not your ideal body mass, and the way to do an ideal body mass is to take uh, 100 pounds. And for women, this is the ballpark. For women, um, you calculate four pounds for every inch over five feet. And you use six pounds for every inch over five feet for a man. So if you're five, okay. six you're going to end up with 136 for a man and 124 for a woman. Well, the if FDA, those, those guidelines say 50 grams of protein. I guess we really can't trust those people. Well, the Financial Drug Administration has one purpose, and that is to make <laughs> sure that the pharmaceutical admin, uh, 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 companies in America have flush finances. That's why they're called the Financial Drug Administration. Amen. Thank you for being on the air, doctor, and helping us out. Glad to be here. Peace. All right. Still got a full lit board, so let's go to Deborah and St. Pete. Good morning there. Good morning. Hi there. Hi there. My husband is um, pretty disabled. He's um, hemiparaplegic, doesn't get much, you know, activity. And I was wondering if you could... Um, offer supportive nutritional advice for poor circulation. He's 77 years old. Okay. Um, first thing is, um, uh, does he get passive movement? Uh, he stands. Okay. But he's, he's mostly sitting. Okay. And so um, he has function of his arms. One. He's One. Oh, so, he so he's hemi. So he's hemi. So his left side or right side doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. His so <laughs> with, with that, um, so he ha he has half half well, yeah one leg and one arm that work. So is he doing <clears throat> any active movement with his uh, right arm or left arm, whichever one that works, and and leg? It's limited. It's limited for safety reasons. Um. Well. How about um, um, sitting in the chair and doing Tai Chi? That'd be pretty cool. That'd be amazing. Yeah, you thing. can find that on YouTube. And I think movement is the very first thing your husband needs. That is the most important thing he can do for his vascular system. Okay, I agree. Now, what about something like natokinase? Natokinase is a great enzyme that helps to keep clotting down. But I think better than just targeting one thing like that, it will be better to do a broad... Uh, range nutritional approach, getting a really good quality multivitamin with active B vitamins in it, like methyl folic acid and methyl cobalamin, methyl B12, and yeah. um, good chelated minerals. That would be really important. Vitamin D, vitamin K, those two together for the blood vessels, and yeah. um, a, uh, um, a good fish oil uh, to get at least 3,000 milligrams to 4,000 milligrams of omega acids in every day. That baseline is really important. Yeah. 
And then added to that, um, <clears throat> there are some really good um, other plant-based antioxidants like rutin and diosmin. Um, there are uh, good uh, vessel supports out there like uh, Vesselmax and and um, uh, Diovask and things like that 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 really you can find to add to the support. But you know these things are coming from foods. So rutin comes from buckwheat. If you put buckwheat into the diet, he's going to get rutin. If you have um, um, uh, an, a, a nice tangerine and or a grapefruit and eat some of the white off of the uh, skin, the rind, you're going to get bioflavonoids that have diosmin in it. So eating really good foods is a way to get this actually into the body too. Okay. I love learning from you. You're all about bioavailability. How about it? <laughs> so thank you. You're so welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, here's an interesting one. Irene um, was left with a question last week. Can uh, someone drink a 50-50 mixture of soda and water? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, that's going to reduce your um, um, um basically the attack on your body by 50%, but you're still ingesting the chemicals you don't want to be ingesting. So it's better to drink soda water, like bubbly soda water, with a squirt of, um, say, um, stevia, uh, um, what's it called? Sweet Leaf, I think, is a, a brand that has like 10 different flavors that you can put into your carbonated water. Um, uh, and and uh, the monk fruit brand that I found has a really nice passion fruit orange flavor. You can make a, a citrusy kind of uh, drink. So, you know, I, I wouldn't do soda with water. I'd just do water. What do you got, Bill? Okay, yes, we've got uh, Caroline Quite, wait, quite patiently waiting, and Mike and Daryl and Tom. So let's chip away at this and go to Carolyn. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, y'all. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I've got two things. Um, one is um, about water intake. I know that dehydration is a problem, but you can go too far the other way, I found out. And I'm not oh, yes? a athlete or anything. Yeah. Um, I was in the hospital with hip. Oh gosh, it's hip. I can't even say it. Um, Hyponatremia. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. That was it. And it was crazy. They they thought I was withdrawing from drugs or something, and you know didn't know what it was. Um, and it's taken a while to get my body chemistry back. And um, I was yes. just wondering if you've got a good lot guideline because it's like you know how much is too much, not enough. Um, I've been yeah. on steroids. I just weaned off a of steroid slowly weaned off and my um doctors say that that has no effect but yet i feel different i could, as a matter of um, fact, i could feel in the weeks ahead some can disorientation and it's like goodness we are a chemical mess and and my second question has to do with sugar addiction i think it's better to not even deal with the chemical weird stuff it, it's it's very very hard to quit that addiction to sweet stuff and and that's what I also would like some advice about is like how do you wean yourself? I know intermittent fasting is a good thing, but it just seems like our chemist my chemistry is so off. All our bodies are just yes. Actually, we we do navigate a a sea of toxic swill um, in most of this planet, and uh, unfortunately, things that are called food contribute to that toxic swill, and. Um, so um, I don't know. Were you taking um, uh, the usual prednisone? Uh, yeah, prednisone, very, very small dose, the smallest yeah. you could get, but it was over three years. And um, 
So your doctors are actually, they really should pay attention and read more articles because um, the, yeah, yeah. The conclusion from the article in the European Journal of Internal Medicine published May 2006 says prednisolone therapy is in stable patients results in a small yet significant increase in serum sodium concentration. So it, though it most definitely affects uh, sodium and fluid, but then another article says that it may cause sodium and fluid retention, which can raise blood pressure and contribute to swelling. And so it most definitely affects your sodium balance. Whether your doctors want to admit it or not, they're responsible in part for what happened to you, but excess well, water. Uh, okay, what else would you do for um, a chronic painful disease that's um, in the um, inflammation family. I had. Um, well, are you on? Are you on a? Rheumatica. It was. So are you painful. on? Are you on a paleo diet yet? Are you? Are you grain free and dairy free? No. Well, let's start with thing. the basics. Let's start with the basics. I'd, if you're dealing with inflammation, you treat the inflammation cause first. You don't suppress it with prednisone unless you well, can't well, move. Well, remission for my disease. Yeah. Right. And yeah. But so that's the thing. Right. Polymyalgia rheumatica is a vascular inflammation disease that's caused by the wrong foods and viruses and chemicals in the environment. And so first things first, if you have a chronic autoaggressive disease like polymyalgia rheumatica, even if it's in remission, you have the potential underneath. So you need to actually look at ways to reduce inflammation. First things first, paleo kind of diet, no grain, no dairy, and um, no beans. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to get on the internet for this. Yes. It's called the Walls Diet. W-A-H-L-S apostrophe. Terry Walls put her multiple sclerosis into arrest with this diet. She was in a wheelchair. Now she walks and lectures about how she saved herself from the ravages of a autoaggressive disease. Ken, I know that that's an incredible motivation right there just to be able to function and all. But wow, the diet. It, there's so it's much fabulous. Is it? Okay, I'm going to look Yes, you can definitely do this. And if you need help, there are functional nutrition health coaches, there are functional medicine doctors, and this is what we do. This is how we help people transcend illness. So that would be the place to go rather than a regular medical doctor that I've been Yes, because they're just going to put you on a pill to suppress the ill. We, we get you out of the ill. So ifm.org, instituteforfunctionalmedicine.org. I-F-M. IFM, Institute Functional Medicine. Okay, got it. Great, I will check that out. Yeah, good luck. I think uh, you're, you're on the right path. You asked the right question. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And again, I appreciate your knowledge. Um, you know, I hate Dr. Google. <laughs> Do you have any good um, go-to websites where if you need just basic nutrition stuff, like how much water... Well, the, you asked about the water. Uh, one half ounce per pound of body weight daily was, is a good place to try to hit. And if you go over that up to three-fourths, even one ounce per pound is not too much, but you don't want to be doing much more than that. Oh, thank you. Unless so you are an outside exerciser and do many hours of outdoor sweating every day, and then you need some trace minerals, trace light or something like that, drops in your water to get more magnesium and sodium back in because you sweat it all out. And then you'll go hypernate right. treatment. Oh, I think I went too far the other way in my recovery. In my, I, I swelled up and I can even taste the salt in my mouth still from all that salty broth. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was also the steroids, too, helping you retain that salt. Oh, gosh. How long does it take to actually have your body go back to so-called 
status quo normal after steroid use? Um, months, question. maybe years, depending on how long you've been taking it. But, um, you know, getting the body and mind to work together and to work optimally is a lifelong journey. It's a journey to health. <laughs> Oh, you know, I just want the easy button, okay? <laughs> uh, we all want that, but this is this is called driving your own ship, and you got to take care of it every freaking day. Yeah, that's right. That's the one thing we can control. So again, I really appreciate you and your and your your wisdom. Thank you all so much. Bye bye. Glad to help. Bye bye. Well, we got about ten more minutes left in the show, and I think Mike from Tampa gets the award for his patience. Let's go to Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good day. Uh, Hi, Mike. A couple of questions. Uh, I'm a quad patient, and I'm dealing with uh, muscle spasms, and I'm also concerned about blood clot. What kind of uh, vitamins should I take? What what, what kind of alternative I can substitute? So, so do you say you're a quad patient? Yes, quadriplegic. Yes, okay. So that's a difficult situation. Um, can't move any limbs. So as I said to the other uh, a collar that movement's really key. So if there's a way you could have somebody do some passive movement for you every day and help you move your limbs, that would be awesome. But as far as supplements, I think that fish oil is really critical and activated B vitamins and a good multivitamin with good multiminerals, like I mentioned previously, and um, vitamin D and vitamin K, all very important for uh, maintaining uh, good vascular function. Also, a good probiotic would be good to keep the bowels functioning well since you don't move very well, and that often makes problems. And, I, and, and, and speaking of that, I do be taking uh, uh, antibiotics, so how, how long should I take the probiotic after I take the antibiotic? Forever. I would get a good probiotic that has um, uh, uh, descriptions after the names like lactobacillus acidophilus. After that, it should say something like LA14 or something like that. So it has a little license plate in parentheses afterwards. So you know it's a, a well-known bacteria and documented. And then take, take uh, uh, that every day for the rest of your life and take two a day when you're taking antibiotics. Oh, okay. Uh, and one other question, the last question. I constantly have a fungus. I'm taking ketoconazole for fungus that's appearing on my face. Anything yes. I can use other than Um, Actually, uh, that's probably coming because of an imbalance in your gut. So adding the probiotic to your gut would be a big help. And getting the fish oil on board can also be a big help for that. Thank you. You're welcome. All righty, I'm glad we got to Mike. Let's move on to Daryl in Land O'Lakes. Take that probiotic thing daily, too, even though I'm taking the antibiotic. Yes, two a day. Thank you. Okay, good day, gentlemen. Have a great one. All right, that was just a little tease to Daryl. Hey, Daryl, good morning to you. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Dr. Harvey. I have a what? severe carpal tunnel in my left hand and I already take the alpha-lipolic acid and the phenylfolate and the methylfolate for neuropathy in my feet, which has made it probably 95% gone. Yes. But nothing has seemed to <clears throat> help with the uh, numbness in my hand other than, you know, surgery, which the, the surgeons want to do. Uh, any suggestions? Uh, I don't eat red meat. We basically 
pretty much the Pegan diet. It's not totally, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the Terry Walls diet because there's yeah. And I'd pretty much tolerate everything pretty well, you know. Okay. I don't, I'm just looking for some, you know, I, since, the, you know, the alpha-lipolic acid does such a great job with yes. neuropathy, I would have hoping that it would do something for the, you know, the pain and the numbness in my hand. Sometimes um, something like carpal tunnel um, is an issue, um, you know, physically, and that's why surgeons want to do surgery. But have you had um, deep tissue massage or muscle activation technique? Uh, No, I haven't. Both of those really help me with my rotator cuffs. Um, You have to actually do the deep tissue to break up some of the trapped you know, inflammatory chemicals and scarring essentially within the tissues themselves. And then muscle activation technique helps you train the muscles to do a different thing. Um, I'm not sure where you are, but you could look up muscle activation techniques. And uh, there's a website uh, that you can actually search for a practitioner. There's a couple in the Tampa area. There's a couple in the Sarasota area. Um, They're scattered throughout the nation and they're very unique uh, specialty physical therapy might help also, but right. personally, I found that the combination of deep tissue and MAT helped retrain my muscles pretty nicely. Okay, is do they do that like in from your elbow in your forearm down to your hands, or is it only in the hand area? Because you know it, it, well, they, it's generating from the elbow and from the wrist. You know, I, yeah, they 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 do it wherever you need to have the work done. So the deep okay. tissue massage is probably going to happen in your shoulder, in your arm, in your forearm, and down to your hand, so that they can okay. move all that all that stuff. And the MAT person works with your whole body to get it working in better balance. But they'll focus on your your arm when that's a problem. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, let's go to Tom and St. Pete and remind folks that it's only five more minutes to the show. So, Tom, what have you got for us? Yeah, you got to love the quick questions. Um, hey, Doc. Um, What's up? Have you, done, have you done the deep dive into taurine yet? Yeah, taurine is a great amino acid. It has all kinds of benefits. Uh, helps with the uh, uh, retina function. Helps you prevent macular degeneration. Helps with cardiac function. Helps the muscle pump harder. It's used for detoxification in the liver. And uh, yeah, it's a great carrier for magnesium absorption. No, no problem doing it every day in uh, like a half a teaspoon. I don't know that. Um, you need that much, but uh, I don't know what's in your half teaspoon. Um, is it 500 milligrams? Is it a gram? Is it 500, 5,000 milligrams? I don't know. Yeah, 500 milligrams. Is 500, 500? Milligrams, uh, cool. That's fine. Yeah, cool. And, and lastly, um, I heard there was some controversy about chia seeds, uh, doing chia seeds regularly. Uh, have you uh, heard anything about that? Um, sounds to me like it's good fiber, a good um, uh, plant omega-3 source, and um, it makes your uh, hair green if you put a paste on your scalp and leave it there. <laughs> and, and lastly, I'll just uh, close with, uh, as of two, uh, 2018, uh, the Internet, more than half of the information on the Internet is incorrect. You cannot rely on Google to give you correct information. Thank you. Oh, it's so true. We can start your uh, investigation, though. Get you get you keyed up to look for some more info. 
because what I do is when I when I go to Dr. Google and I do all the time, I will actually look for the source article and then I will track down the right. source article and go to those science pages or those right. journalist pages because there's really yeah. all kinds of um, really interesting stuff that you can track down, but you can't trust what they're talking about because I see these uh, current uh, pundits um, that you know they 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 write an article about a a medical thing and it's completely opposite what the actual conclusion in the article is yeah it's just look for the dot edu yes yes um it is uh very important to look for that the dot edu says coming from an education institutions however even that might be biased because those people get paid by pharma and other places yep. to make up research so it's really a fun needle in the haystack kind of thing to go and thanks tom i'm going to move over yep. to one email here that i think is really important okay. and i think we're going to have to not take any more callers because we're at the end so um, this one comes from Rick, and he has a really important one. Is sucralose a better ingredient than erythritol? So sucralose is better known as Splenda. Sucralose is a poly sugar. It's made by treating sucrose with chlorine. Who wants to eat chlorinated sugar? I sure as heck don't. Besides, chlorinated sugar, sucralose, has been shown in clinical study to devastate your normal microbiome, killing off the good stuff. So we don't want to eat sucralose. In fact, it's one of those things that causes an increase in diabetes. And we don't want to go there. So next time we're going to be doing another AMA show. Good. I'm just going to be winging it because I'm really liking doing this again. And uh, yeah, I'll probably have a little topic like this, the uh, um, uh, artificial sweetener thing next week, but uh, we'll go from, we'll just shoot from the hip. How's that? That's fantastic. I'm always impressed how you fly solo with these shows. And so I want to thank you and remind folks that you've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show here on WMNF Tampa. I'd like to thank Irene for answering the phones and for all the folks that called on in. You've made the show great. Take care. Stay healthy. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming right on up is 5 Minutes of NPR News and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. And until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Israel is facing a nationwide trade union strike. Thousands of democracy protesters are gathering outside of the parliament building today to oppose the government's